Welcome back to Travel Support Thursday, the first of 2024. It it's is a new year. Yeah, it's a new year. It is good to be back. So today we are kind of near Los Angeles. Uh, we're hanging San Diego, out with Diego, actually. Yeah, we're yeah. hanging out with my family for our like late late Christmas. Uh, and I don't know if this has happened to you guys, uh, but it seems like every day our house turns into like a co working space with my family, <laughs> and then. At night, it turns into like the fun family get together that I remember that we'd always have as a kid. But now that everybody's like working from anywhere, including like, you know, us recording this thing right now, it seems like, I don't know, it just feels like everybody is just working kind of all the time. Yeah, it's no. like a cool, unique experience in that, you know, we're just trying to find space and we can work wherever we want. Yeah. But then there's the question like should we, should we like yeah yeah and it feels like i don't know ever since remote work became this like much more prevalent thing throughout the world i mean and especially throughout like you know my family it kind of feels like everybody's just kind of working everywhere all the time and just fitting in work around the other life stuff and like there's no separation anymore between work and life it's just kind of all intermingled yeah. yeah the number of laptops and <laughs> and such around is kind of fun but like I think the nice thing about working kind of around each other is that we just have built-in coworkers and mm -hmm. colleagues that we get to like take <laughs> breaks with. You know, we take walks and have coffee breaks together. The kitchen is kind of like the the water, what do they call it? The water the, cooler. The water cooler. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we never really had a water cooler at our at our last jobs, but that's what I imagine it is, the kitchen. Yeah. So <laughs> has this happened with your family as well that every time you see them they're just like kind of working a little bit and then at night you get to see them but they don't really take days off to see you anymore yeah. right or to hang out with you which nobody here did nobody took any days off they just kind of work their normal thing from to, wherever they yeah. are and then i guess at night we just all hang out it's we honestly, get to be around each other yeah we get to see each other more but i think it's like a more distracted version mm. of seeing each other all the time and we kind of have to all be on the same page about when we're like closing the laptops i would say yeah that's true that's true yeah. the co-working rules have very harsh 5 p.m cut off co-working <laughs> shop closes and then the video gaming slash board gaming world erupts yeah. into this place okay but happy that, is new year. that is enough talking about that happy new year to all y'all we took a we had a really nice i would say we had we've been in this like two to three week vacation break which has been really nice just like jam packing our days with seeing fan seeing friends and family which has been really really nice because when we're traveling and when we're we're generally at home doing post-production we don't really get a chance to like be around each other that often we're always leaving it feels like so yeah these last couple of weeks in case you haven't seen any videos <laughs> of ours pop up on this channel or our main channel that's why we've been just like shutting down our things kind of doing work peripherally but also mo mainly just hanging out with friends and family but we're back in action yes yes but anyway that reminds me travel thursday <laughs> travel <laughs> thursday yeah we didn't forget 2024 2024 starting a, a brand new year. new year yes okay so what are we talking about today let's get into this thing that was a long wind up <laughs> that was a long wind up like we usually do yes yes for those of you with adhd like i have you're probably sitting there like get to it already god it's time let's Except go we do it to ourselves yeah that's and true. you sorry <laughs> we're just gonna get into it but one of the questions that we got from at underscore r a s i s racist racist no probably mm -hmm. not that second one yeah that's <laughs> 
underscore R-A-S-I-S. Yep. Um, so they ask, one, what jobs did you both have before making the decision to leave it all and go on your one-year honeymoon? Mm-hmm. Guessing Josh was an IT. <laughs> Is it, that, very, is it that very obvious? Good. It's got it's got to be pretty Guess. obvious. I don't know what is it the beard? I don't I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of video games and time with our family and friends, number 2 question was what games does Josh play and how do you squeeze in game time while traveling and on what platform? Oh, so, man. first question. Yeah. Tell the people. So, right, bingo, you nailed it. Yes, I did work in IT. Uh, most recently, I worked for a startup, and then before that, I worked for a hospital, and then before that, I worked for like a really big system integrator company, uh, doing all sorts of things from building out gigantic phone systems to building out huge networks for like 30,000 person companies to then like building out literal offices, including the construction of them and overseeing that. They're kind of like IT all over the board from them yes it adjacent stuff and that's the way it works if any of you out there also work in it you know what i'm talking about it's just uh, you're kind of the guy where if they don't know who is responsible for doing a job it becomes your job (laughs) immediately (laughs) and And now you are it for this youtube that's true that's true i am youtube channel (laughs) it and i don't know i think the it life transitions well into the youtube life because you're very very comfortable with just so much uncertainty and having such unclear job like boundaries hmm. and i think youtube is perfect for that because there are no boundaries there are no restrictions and are no boundaries yes and you just kind of have to like do whatever needs doing like uh for example yesterday i was a tax accountant for most of the day and then the day before that i was a like network storage architect <laughs> like, Ooh, fancy title yeah so lots of lots of very like varied jobs but yes i was in it before this it's a very good support role i think so yeah. i think so yeah just any technologically adjacent things mm-hmm. are stuff i like working with and as it turns out everything is technologically adjacent yeah even this you know this microphone mm-hmm. the whole thing mm-hmm. <laughs> so what about you um, so in my previous life, my last era, I worked as a genetic counselor. So I was in healthcare and I still consider myself a genetic counselor. I'm so genetic counselors work as a part of a healthcare team. Essentially their role is to educate, provide information and also recommendations on screening and and recommendations for genetic testing. So there's a lot of different ways that genetic counselors see patients. So I worked, for example, in a hospital where I saw patients who either were diagnosed with cancer or had a family history of cancer and wanted to know if they had inherited or hereditary risks for cancer, if there was a chance of passing it on. Um, And then I also worked in fields where I saw people who had heart disease, inherited heart disease, and whether that also impacts their family and what they can do to reduce their chances of developing the condition or to look for it at earlier ages. And then I also saw, and then I also got to see patients who were considering pregnancy or were currently pregnant and wanted to know what their risks were for the pregnancy. There's so many different ways that genetic counselors can work with people. And I loved the job. It was an awesome, awesome field. I love genetics. I love talking to people one-on-one. So yeah, it's like a mix of like, counseling psychology but also genetics healthcare. Mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah and i think that the i think the the interesting dichotomy between the two of us is i think that you actually like kind of miss oh for sure that job yes. and i don't miss any of the <laughs> stuff that maybe the construction 
actually I loved building stuff with my hands. Mm. So like the six to nine months I got to do that was awesome. But mm. you don't miss the actual office IT work? No, I mean I don't know. I like the people. Uh, I like fixing problems, but I didn't like other people telling me when I should do things. Mm. So I think yeah. it, I think it was more that than the actual job itself. I just. Yeah. I like having like full autonomy now over the time that we spend doing sure. stuff and where we do stuff. Yeah. And I definitely, there are times where I still have my license or my certification and it's still something that I think, you know, if anything ever changes or I still keep in touch with a lot of my genetic counselor friends and I still keep in like keep up to date. I still like to keep up to date with what's going on in the field of genetics because I do think it's massively fascinating because it just like genes that's who we are and it what's it's what makes us who we are and it impacts every single part of our health that being said i also love this lifestyle and this freedom mm-hmm. um yeah genetic counseling is a really interesting fascinating field i won't go into too much detail other than i loved i loved my last job i still think about it as like a career and it was what well, we I mean, I was doing it for like 10 years. So it was a really hard decision to say, I'm not going to go back to that, that career. But it's for me, it's not like a I'll never go back. It's definitely something that I still think about and I still keep up to date about. Um, I'm just loving this current lifestyle, too, Um, which is like also one of the strangest things maybe about the pandemic and this shift in traveling the world and starting this YouTube channel, it's changed my perspective on how our life doesn't have to follow that trajectory that we talked about before. It doesn't have to like follow that one path. Yeah. When I was growing up, kind of the only way to win was to like go to college, Mm -hmm. get this stable job, work that stable job forever. Doing anything else, including something as kind of crazy as like quitting to go and do a YouTube channel or travel around the world for a year or whatever felt very terrifying at first. But now Mm -hmm. that I've been in it for a couple years... I think I would do almost anything to not give this back, mm-hmm. you know, to yeah. keep doing this. It's weird. So we just, every year we do this year compass and maybe we've talked about this before mm-hmm. on our last channels, but every new year we do this thing called a year compass. And it's basically like a free online PDF that you can print out or fill out. And it's, it's kind of like a reflection of like the past year, the good, the bad, the most memorable and not so much resolutions as it is like, what are you looking forward to in the next year? And like in different parts of your lives, career, studies, mm-hmm. family, friends, relationships. Right. And like, I think every year it's been interesting to look back at how that career part of our like year compass has changed. I don't know, like when I think of career now, I think of, I don't think of just one thing. I think of mm-hmm. this, but I also think of genetic counseling. I think of like all the different things that we're interested in that we get to do, which is a pretty luxurious thing. Yeah, for sure. For anyway. sure, for sure. I'm grateful for those jobs because they provided us the means to be able to even give this thing a shot. For sure. at all and uh, being able to save up a little bit of money that we did to be able to go on that trip which then led into the youtube channel all that stuff was thanks to those jobs that we had i don't i don't want to go back though (laughs) i don't want to go back okay what's our next question okay so the next question was what games does josh play and how do you squeeze in game time while traveling and on what platform this game yakuza like a dragon i have been playing so much this is like a hilarious 
uh, turn-based RPG based off of the super long series of games. Uh, you're in Japan and you're like part of the Yakuza in Japan. You're like trying to like break your way back out of it, but also solve a bunch of problems in the middle of it. And then all sorts of crazy stuff happens. And all of a sudden you're doing karaoke and then you're like doing batting cages and you're racing cars. And like, there's so many different games inside. I, I love this game. So obviously this has been a game that you've been obsessed with for the last for sure. few weeks, but for sure. I feel like it's not a game that you can really play while you travel. Is it? No, I mean, not easily, not easily. No. Uh, but, it is an amazing game. So we've been playing a lot of that. Super Mario Wonder, we've also been playing recently. I just recently played one game of League of Legends, and then that reminded me again why I absolutely should never play another game of League of Legends because it's just mm, just a heart-wrenching experience. Uh, playing Baldur's Gate 3 with my brothers. Currently, we've got this big campaign going on right now. There's a decent amount of gaming in my life. Uh, certainly not as much as I would like. How do you do it while traveling and what platform? Yes. So now with the new like game porting toolkit on Macs, that means that a ton of games that could only be played on Windows can now be played on a Mac, which is what we use for editing and what we use for all of our work stuff. So that means that I got a pretty powerful gaming machine that I bring with us everywhere. And that's how I play like Baldur's Gate 3 and things like that. And then... A lot of times, not all the time, I'll bring the Nintendo Switch with. And this is like super important for me personally to be able to have this because this is like my connection point to my brothers. Mm. This is how we stay in contact with each other. Not like phone calls because we're, I don't know, we're dudes and we can't just like directly talk to each other about real life things. But what we can do is like play a video game and then in the background talk about what things are going on in our lives, but only if we're like playing a video game at the same time so and some of these games do get pretty heavy and emotional like the yakuza game i wasn't really playing it but oh i, I cried at the ending it. i'm not i'm not yeah. embarrassed to say i cried at the ending of that game <laughs> but i think as we've been traveling even like one year honeymoon that we took we were full-time traveling i feel like you made it a point and we tried to like schedule in time where you were like i'm playing video games with my brothers i'm signing in and chatting with my friends or dancing mm -hmm. hula so like we scheduled in select days of the week so that yeah. it became a routine. Yeah, like I think for us, especially with how often we're on the road, you have to, we have to have touch points back to our home mm -hmm. in some like tangible, repeatable, scheduled way. Yeah. And video games are that for me where like my brothers and my friends, they all play it. So it's like this common language we all speak and we can do it together from anywhere in the world. And every single week we just have like an hour or two that we set aside and it is sacred time. I love that. And and it's so fun. I don't know, even though I don't always participate in the video games, I love just being around and hearing you guys like talk and play together <laughs> because it feels like we're all in the same room together while you're playing. Yeah, right. It's like a big hangout and like occasionally we're talking about like life what's things. going on in your love life. Yeah. And occasionally we're talking about like just yelling at each other and talking shit to each other, as is also very important for playing video games. That <laughs> okay. is true. Thank you for asking this question. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. Uh, if there's any awesome games that you have been playing recently, put them down in the comments below. I want to hear all these good things, and the more portable the games, the better. On to the next question. We got a great question from Janelle R6321, who is heading to Japan in February. That's coming up. Very exciting. Yes, that's a great time to go. And they asked, would love recommendations for best flea market or vintage shops slash neighborhoods? Because, yeah, last <laughs> right. time we talked about mm -hmm. multi-nai and, and the thrift shops in Japan are okay. remarkable. I think, I think I'm fully out of this topic. Okay. I think this is the Lisa <laughs> so, show here. <laughs> I think, I mean, first of all, I, I don't even know how we 
how to, where to where to begin. So if you're looking for like thrift shops that are like in a mall that are just easy to get to, almost invariably like everywhere scattered throughout the city. I think they're all throughout Japan. Baz store, B-A-Z-Z store was this awesome shop that had all different kinds of like clothing. They had um they had jackets, they have they have jackets, they have t-shirts, they have pants and high-end things, but also not so high-end things. Like I was this close to buying this puffer jacket that I really regret. I still I still think about it she, to this day. Every single day she tells me, Oh, I wish I bought that puffer jacket. It was jacket. eight dollars. Oh. I knew I knew I was gonna need it for the winter, but I just didn't want to carry it around. Anyway, Baz store is a really good option. My method of just finding the the different thrifting stores or vintage shops were just honestly looking at used used clothing stores, secondhand stores and op shops in Google Maps. And then there are tons that path that there are tons that pop up. But the like thing that was the most exciting were finding flea markets actually. So yes. like Yes, oh that one like uh the multi nine flea market. Yes, and then the big one that was like under that parking garage. Yeah, and I think if you just like Google flea markets in Tokyo or wherever you are in Japan, you'll find that actually there are a ton of flea markets that are happening either every weekend mm-hmm. or sometimes, you know, every other day in different neighborhoods. Multi Nai Flea Market was one that we found on the outskirts of Tokyo. It's basically like garage sales. Everyone brings their stuff and they just set up shop on this on this rooftop. Yeah, it was and so cool. Different kinds of things out of their suitcases. It was awesome to see. And then what was that other really big flea market that we went to where you got this t-shirt? Yeah, I got a ton of really good t-shirts. It was this huge flea market that was kind of near Haneda Airport that I cannot oh, remember it the was, name um, of. Yes, it was the it was the Ohi Weekend, so O H I Weekend Flea Market, and it was massive. Like yes. just rows and rows of all these different things. Like some of these are antiques, some of these home decor things. But okay, we're gonna put links down to Motainai as well as the, the Ohi market. market. We'll put and those down below. Some of the names of like the flea, or some of the names of the thrift shops that are like chains, but I thought were worth visiting as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what do Great we got question. next? Yeah, love that. Love that. <laughs> Um, okay, so our next question comes from Trevor Yerkes, who has asked a lot of good questions about their upcoming trip to Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, so their first question is, given just five days in Japan, is it even worth making any stops along the Tokyo to Kyoto corridor other than those two cities themselves? That's tough. And uh, Worth is such a, yeah. uh, that's such a hard word to, because I mean, I don't know, I love Nagasaki, Japan, for example, mm. and it's worth it for me to be yeah. able to fly all the way to the other end of the country to go and see this but for thing. Five days, but for five days, no. If this and is your so, first time going, no. Well, and then then the next question, which I think is a really good question and one that we've talked about a lot in the past before, is just basically the idea of like how do we handle these kinds of trips when you have limited time and limited budget? So they said, are you of the opinion that the trip would be more enjoyable with a less ambitious roster of multiple countries instead of just focusing on like two countries or even just Japan? It feels difficult to balance because I know my wife and I won't have the means or time to return to that part of the world for probably another decade or more. Yeah. So I think the, I I'll pass along the best advice that I ever received Hmm. about this from uh, Anthony Bourdain's memoir, and I don't remember the title of it, but Mm. 
in it, the advice he gave is that you need to forget about the word should when it comes to travel planning. Like mm. you'll read all these things online that say, oh man, you should do this. You should do that. You, you have to here. do this. You got to do that. And you you'll see all that. You can't come here without visiting that. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's just building up this like gigantic amount of FOMO that no matter what you do on your trip, that you're going to feel like you didn't do enough. Mm. And that sucks. <laughs> That's like the worst feeling in the world. And I think the only way to kind of turn that off and to ensure that you have like such a good time and that you go home feeling like, yeah, I did the thing that I wanted to is to turn all that noise off and just do the stuff that you're hyper interested in, that you're super into. If you're into, for example, thrifting, probably spend a lot of time at the Ojai Market in Tokyo (laughs) because you're going to have a blast there. Or you go to Chiang Mai and go to one of those gigantic clothes shops that are everywhere. Yeah. And or if you're really into food, you're going to go to all the like hawker stalls in Singapore. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. And I think it's more about it's more about narrowing down the type of thing that you're super interested in. Like if I flew to Tokyo and I spent like seven days exclusively playing their crazy complicated arcade games that they have down in Akihabara, I would be extremely happy with mm-hmm. that trip. I would I would leave feeling yeah. good. But. I think the only reason that I'd leave feeling good is because I had the opportunity to see a whole bunch of other stuff everywhere else, right? It's hard because, you know, we even, like, we make these three days in series. Mm -hmm. Specifically for this. (laughs) Specifically to, like, see and hit all the, like, main highlights and the things that we're we're really interested in and the average person is going to go visit. Mm -hmm. But we recognize that, like, it creates this like feeling of like I need to keep moving if I'm going to see everything in a jam packed way. Yeah. And our, I think our videos are more, I think of them more as like a, a buffet mm. where you, you come <laughs> in and in 45 minutes, you're going to see like 50 different cool things you could do. Mm. And then you, for your trip, you're going to be like, I like that one. Ooh. And I like that one. Ooh. And that but dessert. I, and then, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. I don't maybe need the, like the extra like sprinkles on top of the ice cream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I that's what that's the way that I see our videos is it's not a like it's not a you must do this itinerary. Mm-hmm. It's a here's here's like a whole bunch it's of stuff mattering. that you might be interested in and you should pick out a handful of them to do. Definitely. But I I think to your point so like if we were going to Tokyo, you know, and Japan for the first time and mm-hmm. maybe the on- only time five days so like the first time that i went to japan i only had i think a week because right i was working the nine to five i only had i think 10 days of pto in the entire year so i had to use it wisely and i jam-packed my tokyo trip i think in like three days (laughs) it was like non-stop i got in at night and the next day i just like bam 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 and then the next few days i spent in osaka with some friends And we took day trips from Osaka. So it's possible. Like we went to Osaka, used Osaka as our home base. And from Osaka, we went to Nara on a day trip. And then we went to Kyoto on a day trip. Looking back at it now, because we have been able to go back, I think I would have chosen to stay more in Kyoto versus Osaka. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely possible. You can definitely do day trips from Nara and and Kyoto, especially on a limited Mm -hmm time frame yeah for sure for sure i don't know i don't know how to best answer this question that's such like a small amount of time to do presumably a lot of different stuff but i think if i only have five days i'd get in and i know that i would just be just jet lagged out of my eyeballs Mm -hmm. uh for that first day maybe the entirety of the five days and then i think i'd spend day one 
exploring Asakusa, the nearby neighborhood mm-hmm. where I like to stay. Mm-hmm. And then I think I'd spend day two going a little bit wider out. I would make sure probably to not miss Team Labs because I think that's an incredibly mm. unique, super cool experience. Uh, go to, I don't know, go and eat all the delicious food that I possibly could. And then day three, I think I'd go a little further west and go to Shinjuku and Shibuya and spend the day out there. Yeah. And then I'd probably hop a train either that night or the next morning to Osaka, taking the bullet train, hopefully seeing the, uh, hopefully seeing, hopefully seeing Mount Fuji on the way past yeah. as you go. Spend a day in Osaka, spend a day in Kyoto, and then probably fly out from Osaka. I think that would be, yeah, that'd be, you'd be exhausted by the time you'd be done yeah. there. But I think, I think that's how I would think about a five day trip. And if I had one more day, I'd probably fly or take a train to Hiroshima and go to the Peace Memorial. Mm. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think we hear the this question and and it's it's not it's not like there's no one size fits all, which is like one of the cool things about traveling. Um it definitely depends on like the kind of the kind of trip you want to have. Do we want to like maximize and do everything? Mm-hmm. Are we like in a or are we in a relaxed kind of like let's see what happens kind of mood? Yeah. Um I definitely know that when 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 it was like before this was our jobs and before we had a lot more time, uh, I was in the like, I got a plan to see everything because I, I don't know when I'll be back. Sure. Yeah. So, I, th- I think the only way that you're going to have a bad time in this trip is if you let FOMO dictate mm, what you do in the trip and how fast you go. True. I think that's the only way that you're going to have like a time where you come home and you'll be like, that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I think you even now, like even now when we plan our trips and our like, our filming trips and our work trips and our vacation trips. I think we like make a list of like one of the things that we're most excited about. What are the things that we definitely have to do? And then these are like the, the could be nice, but I wouldn't be sad if we missed it. And that helps us like kind of narrow down and like let, let go some of that pressure to say like, we got to see it all. Yeah. And we like, and we make sure that that must-do list, each of us only get three things. Yeah, yeah. Three total things, so six total between the two of us. And those are things that we would just be so mm-hmm. disappointed if we left the trip and didn't do it. And then as long as we're hitting those six things, mission accomplished. Yeah. And I think it just lowers that bar of stress, of feeling like I have to do all of it in five days. Yeah. And that's both unrealistic and it's just kind of setting yourself up for failure. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if that answers uh, your yeah. questions, but... We would love to hear how your trip goes and we'd love to hear what you guys decide on. We know that there's a lot of different opinions out there of like fast versus slow travel, but mm-hmm. we know also time is one of the huge, the biggest constraints. So yes. let us know how the trip goes. But I think your question is a really good one. And and a topic that we've been talking a lot about, like how do we, how do we be more present on our trips? How do we like not feel like that FOMO constantly when we're traveling and in general in life, right? And not that like we're super into New Year's resolutions. I mean, I think we do this New Year compass, but it's not so much like what we resolve to do. It's more so like how do we how do we how do we look forward to the new year and what do we reflect on the past? Uh, I don't even know are re- resolutions even a thing. I heard recently that Gen Z said that resolutions are no longer a term. It's like ins versus outs so wait like did, did all of gen z like the gen z council get together and decide I, I don't upon know. this i just heard this recently okay. in passing that 
the term is now ins and outs. Ins and outs. What okay. are the ins for the year and what are the outs for the year? That sounds a lot like a resolution. <laughs> I'd say that sounds very similar to the things you want to keep doing and the things you don't want to yeah. keep doing. But that being said, I sure. found this really kind of fun. I, I, When I saw it at first, I was a little skeptical, of course, because I am who I am. Right. Because we're millennials yeah. and we are skeptical of everything. This um, CN <laughs> Traveler... Um, website came up has this article called the travel resolutions our editors are making for the new year and right i saw this and was like travel resolutions why do we need that but then i actually kind of got on board and it kind of speaks to what we were talking about some of them were like they want to engage more in solo travel yes i think that's a great i think everybody should go on a long solo trip at some point in their life i think it's such a oh such a beautiful like changing experience i I fully agree it it makes you it makes you like feel independent self-reliance yes but also like appreciate your partner or your friends and your Mm -hmm. family more Mm -hmm. um another one was not buy a whole new wardrobe before vacation which i love this idea do people actually do this yes like a whole wait like like you're flying to cancun you're like i need a whole new cancun wardrobe and you buy the whole thing i don't know i'm the wrong person to i guess think about this considering i wear the same four t-shirts over and over forever basically until they fall apart it's true i mean but i do remember this sentiment like every time because like a trip i mean we have to remember sometimes a trip is like this monumental thing that you've been waiting for for so long Mm -hmm. so you feel like you have to like you want to look forward to it and you want to prepare for it and part of that means buying a new wardrobe but this article and and this editor was saying you know let's how do we how do we how do we do that less? How do we how do we focus more on like the wardrobe that we do have, the basics that we do have without feeling like we need to buy extra and add more luggage? Mm, you could do that JAL thing that they're offering where you fly with absolutely no additional clothes mm-hmm. and then you hire someone to pick out and rent clothes to you for your trip to Japan. Yeah. I, think- <laughs> uh, I, I still I'm very interested. In, and if anyone has tried that, I'd be fascinated. Yes. I want to like I want to know how others would dress me. Um, and just some other ones <laughs> that I thought. Because I think I would want that more because I have no idea how to dress myself. Oh, well, as an that's adult. also. And I've never my really feeling. known. I don't know. Do adults just wear suits? Maybe that's just like a incorrect. <laughs> yeah. We are adults. Yeah, I know, but like, are we though? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like my parents, at the same age that I'm at right now, they felt very adulty at mm. that point in time, and I feel like. I'm much closer to kid-y than adult totally. at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look at what we're wearing. Yeah. <laughs> I love, whatever. It is what it is. I mean, I'm in I'm in a t-shirt that's at least 100 years old. And <laughs> I'm wearing sweatpants recording a podcast in a bedroom. And our parents are in the and next room. Speaking of our parents. Uh, uh, the someday next, we'll grow up. I hope not. Actually, I really hope the not. The next um, resolution that was on this, which I love, is book more multi-generational trips. Oh. Take more trips with your family. Take more trips with your parents. I I actually really, really love this. I mm. mean, we, we traveled with your parents a lot in the last year. We recently traveled with my mom mm-hmm. to Taipei. And that was, it was just like a totally different dynamic now that we are adults we're all adults (laughs) big quotes around adults i i love that like as a travel resolution to not just focus on like the what we want or like the solo travel but how can we include the people that we love in our lives and i I, i'm of the belief that yeah like it adds a different kind of fun dynamic Mm -hmm. sometimes challenging but fun too yeah Yeah. agree anyway those are just like we'll leave this link in the 
we'll we'll leave this link in the um, description. I, I thought it was a really fascinating read. And I think a lot of these resolutions, I wasn't so skeptical about after reading it because mm -hmm. I think they're really meaningful. Like some of them was stop assuming that my passports get me everywhere. Sure. Yeah, they don't. That one makes you think. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. Uh, what do you think are your what do you think is your travel resolution? for this Oh, year? man. See, even just the, but the word resolution makes mm. me feel stressed out a little bit. I think mine is I want to take like, I want us to go on a big adventure this mm. year, like a big multi-week quest yeah. to do something. I think that's the the thing that we were missing last year. A bit. We always want to go on a quest of sorts. Yes. Yeah. But like a big one, like okay. something crazy. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's any ideas? Or no, just, just I haven't throwing, figured out. Okay. I haven't figured out which yet, but um, that. My resolution, I think I think this is the year that we're going to visit other continents because we mm. have like, yeah, we've we've visited a lot of places that we love and we go back to the places that we love. Um, but I'd love to like visit completely new and different areas. We haven't really seen much of South and Central America. I think this is the year that we will Ooh. or some of it we will. Okay. Yeah. That um, sounds great. I don't know, maybe Antarctica. I don't know if we can afford oh, that yet, yeah, but that yeah. would be really cool. I've always wanted to go to Antarctica. Maybe this is the year. Maybe. Oh, that'd be so cool. I don't know. So, okay, that that well, that wasn't so bad talking about resolution. <laughs> it was more just like, maybe we should just reframe it. Why does resolution sound so bad? Well, because I think it like implies like fitness basically is, oh. is what i think about when i think of resolutions and it's like i'm never gonna eat anything again and i'm gonna run 25 miles every day and oh, and then like three days later you're like yeah screw all that <laughs> not doing any of it maybe for me it's less i mean there are definitely those because we're always working on those but right. for me when i hear resolution i think either success or failure there's like no in between oh sure and and i think I don't know if this is your experience, but basically every New Year's resolution I've ever given myself has always, I've, I've, nope, haven't made it. And, <laughs> I and maybe failed. we should just reframe it as like, what do we hope for? New Year's this intentions. Year? Maybe that's why they created the new ins and outs. You know, maybe that's why what they. What are my ins and what are my outs? Yes. What am I trying to get rid of? Mm -hmm. What am I trying to like keep more of? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If you guys got any New Year's uh, travel resolutions and or ins and outs or, or whatever the travel. hell we're calling it these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just throw them down in the comments below. I love to hear what you guys are thinking about for doing this year. And now to wrap things up kind of with this idea of like ins and outs and resolutions and like general, I don't know, lingo. Is this I don't, I'm just going to get to the question. I don't yeah, know what I'm saying. Just read the question. So, yeah. This question comes from, this question comes from UOFW who asks, what are your observations and or opinions of others in the field? If you know what I mean. Oh, I like our coworkers? I think so. Yeah. Okay. How often do you encounter others creating content where you are? Mm -hmm. And with all the tech available these days, phones, body cam, selfie stick, helmet, dash cam, drones, etc. Is everyone out there making videos where they are, you included, mm -hmm. and how intrusive slash off-putting or insert word here, maybe cringe? Cringe? Are we talking <laughs> Is cringe? this to you? <laughs> oh, to us. Is this sure. to you? Like, what What are our thoughts about, yeah, this, like, concept of filming and traveling? I even think last week, we or the last podcast, we talked about how, like, some people definitely see documenting your travels or putting YouTube videos up of your lives as cringe. So, yeah. Sure. What are our thoughts? 
I am excited whenever I see another prison because mm. like the camera setup for what we do is so specific yeah. that you can kind of see another YouTuber from like oh, yeah. miles away. You, you know? can recognize yes. the mic, um, the big old mic, fluffy mic in the background. Gigantic DSLR camera. Generally someone like talking to a camera like this, making some sort of big over enthusiastic expression being like have you ever seen a burrito before today we're gonna eat some burritos and it's like it's it, there's like a youtuber tone of voice that i think everybody uses for at least a little while in their youtube career um, <laughs> or they try to yes and i i love seeing it. honestly it makes me really excited to see because i think one there's like a reasonable chance that we've either watched this person's video or that we know them mm, in some way yeah, shape, yeah. Or yeah, that's um, interesting because I do like I, I feel that sentiment when I see other people documenting their travels or like taking pictures or vlogging as they're traveling wherever in the world that we are. It kind of makes me feel like, oh, we're not alone. Right. Yeah. And and <laughs> there are other people doing the same thing. That being said, I do. I think I hear like in the background of this question that like feeling of like, is it also annoying though? Mm. Is it is it off-putting? Is it like intrusive? Because I think you're right. We've had experiences though, especially in places that we think or we hope will be a little bit more quieter or or a little bit more calmer or maybe off the beaten path. And yeah. then we see like masses amount of people. Like like when we were in Ninbin and we, we yeah. were on a hike and there were <laughs> oh, hundreds of people and then at least three drones being being put up yeah, and I then think... i was like oh this is a little bit not what i was expecting not what i was hoping for and also drones are really loud and dangerous and these yes. guys are just i mean there was there was a guy who was catching a drone on top of a mountain surrounded by like 50 mm -hmm. other people all closely packed in and this like thing spinning at 9,000 rpm yes. coming down he just grabs out of the air which is how we used to catch it but man if anything had gone wrong you would oh, like yeah. given people cuts you would have hurt someone this is coming from like our experience when we were in the middle of nowhere, um, I think we were traveling through Mexico mm -hmm. and we were kayaking and there was a boat coming, the battery was dying and Josh was like, catch the drone and I'm freaked out. The wave came and I my finger just got sliced off. It was, yeah. it was like a terrifying moment. So like I feel those moments and sometimes I think this whole YouTube life, while it's like very wonderful and very, um, while it's very wonderful and we I think hopefully we're being helpful, I can see that it can feel off-putting to other people. For sure. I mean, we we look weird as heck yeah. when we're out in the world filming. Yeah. Right? Like we are recording almost everything. And by almost everything, I mean like we'll see the most boring, mundane thing in the world mm -hmm. and we'll be like up close to it, zooming all in on it because we're like, oh, we need that little transitionary piece. Like going to the grocery store, my, <laughs> one of my least favorite places to film because who films They're what they buy at a grocery store normally? Oh, man, and I'm sure that we look just ridiculous a lot of the time when we're making these movies. I do think it makes me feel more aware unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know, more aware of how we come off and what the energy filming brings to an environment mm -hmm. doing this. Because I think like in a grocery store, for example, we try to just make it very quick. We try not to like interrupt people and we try not to film other people in the process. Because yeah, yeah. like when I see a big camera, I'm freaked out. Like, am I being filmed right now? <laughs> right. Yeah, like privacy yeah. is important and I think on the one hand, I think it's awesome that 
anybody can pick up a camera now and just document their travels and and share that with the world and maybe even make a business out of it Mm -hmm. but then like it does have an impact on other people for sure for sure and i think that like the thing I love seeing is people out there trying to make these super cool movies. That makes me really excited mm-hmm. to see. I'm like watching them film it and I'm like thinking in my head of like, oh, they're going to use this scene for that. And I yeah. can like kind of, I don't know. It, it just feels really exciting to see other people doing the same thing. And we'll almost always go over and talk to people if we mm-hmm. see them like very obviously making a YouTube video yeah, or a like, TikTok or an YouTubers? Instagram creator or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, the thing I hate seeing is people who ambush other people with a camera. Mm. And this has become so freaking popular on YouTube is people just like walking up to other people with a big camera in their hands and be like, hey man, how do you feel about this thing? Or hey, yeah. what are you doing? And it's just, it's so uncomfortable, which is why in a lot of the videos that we create, we'll see comments down below or be like, hey, you should talk to more locals. Mm. And we do all the time. We just don't film them yeah. because we consider that to be a little bit rude. And I don't think... They truly understand like the scale or the scope also, of us getting them. Also, not everybody wants to talk to people, you sure. know, like or be on <laughs> yeah, camera. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, I mean, half of the time don't even want to be. So like, I do think, yeah, it's interesting. As much as we want to like make our videos as realistic mm-hmm. and as um, like non-scripted and very relatable as possible, it is challenging sometimes to like, it's not a challenge. I think it's a challenge that we welcome. I think we're very, we try to be very mindful of what this setup does for other people, how it impacts other people. Like when we'll go into like, I mean, it's mostly me that I'm like, oh, we're about to go into a quiet restaurant or we're about to go into like a spa. We we shouldn't record. We shouldn't like bring a big camera. Maybe we should ask first. Mm-hmm. Or if we know we're going to be like, I think in our Bangkok video, we knew we were going into a very, very small, like that secret bar. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be this really tiny bar with like 10 max people. And I was like, I don't want to be that person that just like comes in and films without asking anybody and without like, it, it might change the vibe. It might change the feel of the place. Right. It might change the intimacy of the like experience for people. So we usually, usually that means we have to film multiple times mm-hmm. or we have to like get in there first to see what it's like and then decide if we're going to film it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of conversations and almost always asking permission like in that tiny bar. We're just like, can we yeah. film in here? And can then the guy's, like, the guy's like, oh yeah, that's totally cool. But yeah. I think, I think generally, I think generally, uh, I love seeing other people creating these videos Mm. out in public and I love seeing other people like sort of filming their travels and lives. I really don't like seeing people who are interrupting other people's normal lives with Mm -hmm. the thing that they're creating or even worse who are like playing stupid pranks on people that didn't Mm. sign up for that. That's kind of like the very rare bad side, right? Like we only see that every once in a while and then there's all this like really good other side which is people just sharing snippets of their life or showing off cool things that people wouldn't be able to see otherwise and i think mm-hmm. there's way more good than bad for sure but the bad is so bad that i think people remember it for a long time like uh, these like creators that used to like go into places that they shouldn't go on <sighs> the nuisance of it and this feeling like i have to do whatever it takes to get the shot mm-hmm. and i feel like that's so prevalent throughout youtube yeah, it's challenging. We we yeah. struggle with this all the time. Like yeah. we it's a it's a balance for sure and I don't think that we've figured it out just yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the cool thing, 
the cool thing about YouTube is that anyone can do it and anyone can do it anywhere, right? right? But that also is actually one of the bad things too, is like anyone can do it and you can do it anywhere. Right. It doesn't mean that everyone should do it everywhere. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's that's not implicit permission to film anyone and like anything everything. at all times. I and, mean just and, and the truth is, like yeah. we know too, like when you're filming something, it takes you and when other people are filming things, taking photos or taking selfies anywhere, it kind of takes you out of the place. It like it makes the place kind of about you right mm -hmm. like kind of makes it about like we us in the location versus like the location itself right and that and that i i do think sometimes is a hard part about youtube and something that does bother me a little bit that i have to, i think we have to think more about like how do we make our videos less about us and more about the place that we're in yes and how do we when we're in the place think about less about what we're doing and what we're filming and just like enjoy the place for what it is yeah or provide value to the person that's watching the video yeah. right like that's always our primary concern i don't know i mean it's, it's a, a complicated tough. subject and the only things that ever make the news really are just like creator went to this place and they did something totally boneheaded stupid mm. and screwed up the thing for everyone and that's all you see in the news and i think those I, it just doesn't happen all that often mm -hmm. but i think overall like we said a couple times whenever we see anybody else filming or anything it's not a nuisance yeah. at all to yeah. us i just think it's really cool it's yeah. like we yeah. get to meet someone new and and we maybe have some semblance of understanding of what their lives are like and maybe they understand what our lives are like and i think even for me as someone who just like gets anxious and feels nervous about any attention mm -hmm. especially while filming i think of what you always say which is what do you think they actually said to one another or thought when they saw us filming oh they're filming something and then they carry on with their day <laughs> right. and that's actually usually what it is yep yep that's it and then just move carry on. on with the day move on with the day oh there's a youtuber yeah cool but would love to know your thoughts because i think yeah as those of you who consume youtube maybe some of you who create youtube videos or create art or share photos on social media would mm. love to know your thoughts and how you balance this like constant desire to film or take photos of everything and just and or just be in the place that you're in yeah okay that is it for today's travel support thursday thank you so much for watching yeah. we'll uh, we'll see you next thursday time to get back to some board <laughs> games and video games <laughs> happy new year happy new year's